Good morning, good evening, wherever you may be. This is the Super Travel Experience Podcast. I'm your host, Mark, aka Motiv- Motivational Mark. That is the Islamic call to prayer. It's actually quite beautiful. Hi, Lucy. My cat is here with me. How's it going, girl? Every morning, every day, I heard this many times a day while I was in the Luxor jail for about a week. It was a Friday to Friday, so about eight days. And this is part three of probably three parts. I might do um, an after part two because there's a lot to talk about in regards to thoughts afterwards, um, uh, you know, as I reflect upon what occurred. And just to summarize real quick, what happened was I got arrested because I had daggers that ended up being thousands of years old that I bought from Lebanon. And they checked uh, when I was getting leaving the airport in Luxor, uh, they found them in my bag. And that just started the whole, I had to go through the whole legal process. And it was it's fairly complicated. I was just lucky to get out in general. You never know um, with that sort of stuff if you can leave and you're not stuck in jail for weeks, months, or even years for something like that. Um, I didn't think uh, what I was doing was wrong or anything. I had no idea it was an accident. I didn't even know the daggers were that old. I I bought them fairly cheap in Lebanon and Baalbek where uh, these awesome megaliths and ruins are. But from a souvenir shop and I had the receipt luckily that helped my case uh, as I went in front of a judge slash prosecutor um, shortly after and um, I thought I was free after that but I had to go back to the jail uh, to the police station and find a plane ticket directly out of Luxor. I couldn't stop in Cairo. I couldn't stop in the other place. I had to find a direct flight out of Luxor. And Luxor is not a big city. Uh, it's uh, pretty small, and there's not a lot of direct flights international. So I finally found a flight um, headed to, actually, there was two flights, one to Saudi Arabia um, from uh Luxor and the other to Kuwait. So I need a, a visa to Saudi Arabia and I didn't need, I could get one on arrival in Kuwait. So Kuwait, it was Kuwait City, Kuwait, a small country off uh, in the Persian Gulf, not far from, uh, I think adjacent to Saudi Arabia, uh, across from Iran and close to a couple other cool places like United Arab Emirates and not far from Oman. And so I was waiting. I had to wait in jail. I couldn't wait in a hotel. I couldn't wait anywhere else. I had to wait in a cell, 8 by 10 cell. And I made, met a new friend, a uh, Frenchman, Pierre. Uh, his wife comes to visit him every day, Didi. And um, yeah, that's it. This is a story. The last couple days, I think I ended off uh, um, Wednesday, February 26th my fifth day or sixth day in jail, um, detained in jail, however however you want to say it. 
And I recorded that last second part while I was waiting for the flight from Dubai to Los Angeles, which was a 16-hour flight. You know, after being in an 8 by 10 cell for like a week, that flight was incredibly, incredibly easy. I could have probably flown for 48 hours and been okay, or, or maybe longer. It was just... I had amazing food, I had all this entertainment, I had books, I had podcasts, I had my phone, I had a wonderful clean bathroom that had toilet paper and didn't have just a hose, (laughs) which I had when I was uh, in jail in Luxor. And yeah, so that flight was incredibly easy and I'm happy to be home now. I just got home yesterday or the day before i can't remember can't quite recall but it's kind of like a daze like a blur like a dream uh because i'm so tired and kind of getting used to the the time difference the time change and all that so let's go and finish this story of part three here we go so i left off uh February 26th, Wednesday, I leave on Friday early morning at 7.30 a.m. So um, the first few days in jail, I was just, uh, or three, first four days, I started to feel weird. I started to like feel kind of spacey. I'm in an 8 by 10 cell with a Frenchman, um, uh, Pierre, who's 70 years old. He's been in there uh, going on 50 days. Now it's over 50 days. And there's a bright light. Uh, up above that does not turn off. It's on 24-7. I have no access except when I walk to the restroom of uh, outside light. So time, my perception of time, I have no idea. It looks the same time 24-7. There's an echo. So I'm near the front of the the police station, the jail, and the back is where they house all the regular inmates and the local Egyptians. I'm in a special cell. I call it, we called it the Hilton. I called it the Hilton. Um, And that is right adjacent to the police station where all the people that go to the police station go to the front, like the, the entry, the reception area. And then there's a small little cell that they house, that they house all the all the uh, regular Egyptian people that come there that get in trouble. And I remember one time, you know, we, we would get up and stare out, you know, all the drama that was going on outside. And there was one time there was this, there was this guy in there who just looked so spacey and just was rocking back and forth. It looked like he had some sort of mental issue or, or something. Uh, there's a lot, uh, quite a few people on drugs that, that, that are in there. You could hear them screaming. You could hear the screams like the pit of hell in the back from the people in the regular jail. Apparently, from what Pierre told me, I think he just saw it briefly, luckily. Um, it's uh, probably... Um, from what he explained, it's about an eight by 10 cell. There's two bunk, uh, one bunk bed with two beds and there's like 10 people and they take turns sleeping two hours each, each person. And they, they're smoking and it's just, uh, overcrowded and, uh, not pleasant. Uh, another interesting thing I was told, and luckily it didn't happen to me, but he got intimidated. He didn't get beat. He got all his stuff searched. I didn't have my stuff searched. I just had to turn to my phone. Luckily, um, I made friends with a very high individual there, and uh, he told everyone to leave me alone. And if there's any problems, tell him the name of the person, and he will you know, take care of everything, make sure I'm okay. 
<clears throat> so that helped too. I made sure to be friends with everyone. Like I learned from traveling 57 countries that uh, just be nice to people and life's like an echo. You get what you put out there. And so uh, P- uh, Pierre told me, you know, that people get electrocuted. They hang people up um, by their, ar- their arms and uh, put electrodes on their earlobes and zap them. And that was pretty scary to hear that. And he said he uh, met a couple people that had that. And, you know, every once in a while there'd be people that are bloodied and beat up on their, I remember seeing that on their face. And as they walked into the, the court, uh, not the court, the, the jail, the police station the police station and so yeah you could hear the people in the back screaming some of them i i I wrote down what they were saying in arabic and pierre understood a few words and he was saying um that they were yelling i am sick i am sick because they were coming off of withdrawal from drugs or or some something to do with drugs um, a lot of uh, hashish there, very strong, and probably other stuff, maybe heroin or something. I, I don't really don't know. I, I think the majority of the drugs is the hashish, and they, I, I'm not sure exactly, but yeah, there definitely um, was drugs, and the yelling and the screaming was was kind of hard to deal with because at least when I when I knew what it meant, that helped a little bit because I didn't know what what they were saying. They they. Arabic. When people speak Arabic in in uh, Egypt and in other places, it sounds like they're yelling, and it makes gives you a little bit of anxiety. And there's a big echo in that room, that cell that we were staying in. I'm sleeping on the ground. I have my pack as a pillow and my pack under my legs, and um, a small blanket that I put some cardboard underneath um, to help uh, buffer the hard ground. And you know, lots of cockroaches. Uh, roaming around but you know kind of get used to it just get used to uh the predicament and everything and there was times when um you could you could kind of tell the the drama and the way the police work you kind of just start to see the routine and you meet all the people and then there's officers and then there's the regular police the regular police have have a stripe the officers have stars i remember i made really good friends with with a couple people in there and one of the officers told me do not trust any officer with a stripe so he he made sure to tell me that there's some people that that were really really nice and looking out for us and um, they're incredibly helpful and i incredibly grateful for that and to meet them and and so he he said not to trust anybody with a stripe uh, part of it is they make a lot less pay than the officers and so they're always asking for money like i said in the last podcast my mom always said money talks bullshit walks and money gets you everywhere in egypt and those third world countries in general um i i highly suspect because a lot of people are poor and don't have a lot of money especially when you compare it to other rich countries like the united states or other places in europe you know that that sort of stuff everything in egypt is cheap generally like you could go to the store and eat like a king for like five bucks i mean it's just it's just incredible how far uh, money gets you there and especially egypt and that's how it was able to get food that's how i was able to uh, get a lawyer. That's how I was able to pay the translator. That's how I was able to get a plane ticket last minute, which cost like a it was eleven $1, hundred dollars, I think. I had to leave a few days um, 
after I got the ticket. So, uh, which which isn't a, actually a bad price. I've seen them over you know thousands of dollars. Um, but anyway, so I'm I'm in the cell. This is a. Uh, I think I went over Wednesday on the last podcast, but I'll go over it again real fast. So, uh, the first few days I am getting. Uh, spacey, a little depressed, a little feeling weird. Uh, but then, you know, all my positivity, motivational stuff starts to kick in. Like I created a, a huge habit that I've developed, especially this year. I've really increased it. And then over the years, I have this habit of, you know, I su- you could summarize it real fast with uh, silence, gratitude, affirmations, visualizations, exercise, reading and scribing, journaling, that sort of stuff. And I start to get into this habit. I'm teaching uh, Pierre all this stuff as well because from what I observe, he's slowly going insane being there 50, 50 days on anti-anxiety medication, uh, which he, which the officers, the big top, officers working there who are really not nice you could hear him yelling like ah, da, 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 da. i remember we we heard that and we start laughing at each other when when we hear him they, he just starts yelling at the lower officers he just likes to yell there's a couple of those in there and you could see it on their faces they had this massive scowl these older egyptian officers uh, i think there were three-star officers and so he's going through a little bit of withdrawal from uh, benzodiazepine, the uh, anti-anxiolytic. And I told him, I was like, look, man, uh, it's better just to meditate, just to try to face this stuff uh, without without any drugs or medicine, you know, um, pharm- pharmaceuticals. And like I start teaching him all this stuff that I've learned and developed. And I've, even in my, my head, I thought under any circumstances i can choose how i want to feel and this is a in my embedded in my subconscious 1000% and i still believe this to this day i made the shift um after the first you know two or three days of shock wore off that i was going to make the best of this situation and i did those by getting back into my daily habits after i needed a couple of days to just absorb to sleep because i was you know lacking sleep but just was sleeping a few hours for a couple nights not enough at all and it wasn't the best sleep and so after i slept i started to get get my mojo back i started to get my mind back and i started to um, get into my daily habit which causes you to feel causes causes me to feel uh happier positive more hopeful and that sort of stuff um i wasn't sure honestly that i was even going to get out friday um not until i'm on the plane out of the country will i ever be sure of anything when you're in a country like that so i was a little nervous but i had to stay op- uh, positive and optimistic and hopeful to help myself deal with it and not go crazy as well it was what helped me get out of that funk of uh, days of you know the light being on 24 7 the the loud arabic just echoing in the cell i mean i had earplugs i had a blindfold but i wanted to show people that 
um, just put on a blindfold and I was going to shine a bright light in their face and just yell and slam, slam a door um, over and over again. And that would be kind of how it was like where you had to lay, you laid down like 22 hours out of the day. Do that for a week and that's kind of how it is. And eventually if you don't take these mental safeguards by doing these positive habits, you're going to go insane. Your mind, most people's minds are like a wild monkey, a wild animal and it's untamed and it just, you know, but with with these daily habits like especially meditation you start to tame that wild animal and you could you could actually use it to do great and wonderful things which which i think i've done in my life i know i've done and i will continue to do so um and it reminds me of this quote by Viktor Frankl, who was in a concentration camp. He says, everything can be taken from a man, but one thing, the last of human freedoms, to choose one's attitude in any given set of circumstances, to choose one's way. And I knew I had to be strong for Pierre, the Frenchman. I had to help him. He's helping me. Maybe one of the reasons why I was there was to meet certain people maybe i was there to help him uh so that that started to help me knowing that i had you know some sort of purpose or you know reason to be there and you know i i, I believe that we're we're exactly where we need to be right now you 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 everyone listening to this this is where you need to be this you're in the exact place you need to be in i need to be there um I was strong enough to handle it mentally, physically, emotionally. Uh, definitely wasn't that difficult. Um, the, the hardest part was the mental part. That was the hardest part. And actually, it was difficult. I, I am not going to lie. The uncertainty, um, the language barrier, all that stuff made it exceptionally difficult. Um, being in that unique situation. Uh, that, and, you know, even when I got out, I was like, ah, oh, it wasn't that big of a deal. But when I reflect upon it, it was kind of a big deal when I tell people that. But the way I mentally made it sense of it in my brain was thinking that wasn't a big deal, that this was easy, that I could do it. Uh, including the mantra that I made and read every single day, which I made Pierre read, um, which was, everything is going to be okay. I will get through this. I must get through this. I can get through this. And you have to say it with power. You have to say it with intensity because this is what helps change the subconscious. The subconscious is uh, what controls and most of our daily lives and habits. The subconscious is what is the key to changing your life. This is um, how successful people and how unsuccessful people, rich people, poor people, you name it, this is the difference in that the way to change it is through doing all those things that I said, silence, affirmations, visualizations, exercise, reading, and scribing or journaling. You know, just the fact I wrote down, I will get through this is affecting my subconscious deeply. So that being said, we said our daily uh, uh, mantra. We also, I also started doing three things uh, that I was grateful for. And Wednesday, February 26th, those three things were, I am grateful to sleep as much as I did. I had a really good night's sleep, so I really wasn't grateful for that. I am grateful for the tea we had. We had our daily tea sessions, which was really uh, one of the highlights of the day. And the third one was, I am grateful for the jacket that um, Pierre let me use to keep me warm at night because I started to get cold and um, 
I slept in my pants and my black jacket and my collared shirt and my socks and I started to get cold that I put my extra shirts, I put them in my jacket, I started to put my long sleeves on, but I didn't have any cold weather stuff. I didn't have like a sweatshirt, I just had a light jacket and so that helped me uh, feel more comfortable when he gave me that. And another highlight was there was three cats that I saw, three wild cats and you know, I'd look out from the cell and hear them and see them play and eat. And I thought they were really cute and just watching them and on. At 7.30, February 26th, Wednesday, uh, 7.30 p.m., uh, the gray cat comes up right up to me and starts meowing. And, you know, I'm thinking maybe it's my cat, Lucy, at home, sending a message through the gray cat to me. And, you know, I just... It sits there and just stares at me in my eyes. I think it wanted food, but it was really nice to see and uh, one of the highlights of that day. And 8.30 p.m., I finally go to the bathroom. I, I collect enough tissue paper and napkins that I'm able to go to the bathroom. Uh, not very well, but just enough to take off the pressure off my stomach because I was constipated for uh, about four days. This is the longest I've ever been constipated. I know if you're constipated for a prolonged period of time, you're going to have health issues. I, I know like th that stuff just... Um, festers in your gut and I didn't want any bacterial overgrowths or anything you know negative affecting my health because Pierre I mean we're we could smell smoke there's smoke that comes into the cell at, at times everyone smokes like a chimney there in in Egypt and it's kind of the normal thing like you can't complain I just you just have to deal with it and and Pierre's got this sinus and allergies uh, hi Lucy there's my cat got this sinus issue and allergies going on uh, while we're in the cell. And, you know, if you get sick while you're in there, it makes things worse. You don't want to be sick. I'm glad I wasn't sick. And I'm glad, you know, I felt good. That's another thing I'm grateful for, that I didn't have any uh, iron issues that I that I have that made me made the situation worse or or any um any blood issues or anything. And I had no sickness issues and no uh I started to get a little throat irritation and sinus irritation, but nothing, um, nothing substantial, which was I'm really thankful for. And about eight eight forty p.m., there's a loud commotion. You just hear this. I think I might have explained it in the last one, but it's, it's kind of fun to uh, talk about it again or interesting to talk about it again. The, this we just hear this rah rah big guy comes in and um, he's yelling and apparently he's he's going through uh, withdrawal and on um, from drugs or or he overdosed. He took too much uh, he, hashish and uh, so they had to tackle him and hit him and and take care of that. And then uh, that was. 8.40, 9.30 p.m. We have a beautiful dinner uh, with with Pierre, and we have cheese, tomato, flatbread. It's actually a light one, light one. We have, uh, I set up the dinner table, which is my old pizza box that I had from the pizza I had the other day. I go, time to set up the dinner table, and we officially make our preparations to have a beautiful dinner. This was done almost every night on a daily basis, and uh, that I was there. And then, okay, we get into Thursday, and then Thursday is my last day. I'm very, very excited. Uh, it's hard to, uh, I, I must say time, uh, the perception of time uh, at the beginning went really fast. But as I was 
in the cage, in the cell longer, it went slower and slower and slower. And like, oh, every time I look at my watch, it's only been an hour. And so, you know, what I decide to do and I start to, um, like I start to do those savers, that acronym, silence, affirmations, visualizations, exercise, reading, uh, scribing, journaling. I start to draw. I start to draw. When I was a kid, I used to draw. I loved to draw. And so I found um, Pierre's uh, Egypt book that was in French, and I started drawing things from there. I drew a few different things from Nefertiti's head, and I, I even drew the cell. I drew him laying down sleeping, and I noticed um, it helped to slow my anxiety because there was this uh, small amount of constant anxiety you could see in your hand that starts to shake a little bit. I saw it in Pierre's a lot. You know, he shook even more. But as I started to draw, you need to be in like a really calm, relaxed state to draw uh, smoothly. And I noticed when I first started drawing, I was a little shaky and I wasn't drawing very smooth. You can notice in, in the drawings from my first drawing to my final drawing, which was much better and smoother. And that helped get me into that meditative, relaxed state. So that's part of my silence in addition to uh, gratitude and meditation. At this point, I, I'm not praying. I don't pray. I, I'm not a big fan of praying. I'm hopeful. I'm not really religious. So in that sense, I think action speaks volumes more than wishful thinking. So I'm just going to put that out there. And um, I, I've you know, got some messages like I'm praying for you. Uh, please don't pray for me. Call the U.S. Embassy and help get me out. That's 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 what I, I, that would do a ton more than than just hoping that I'm good. You know, taking action, massive determined action is absolutely key. And so, uh, yeah. So I'm starting to draw. I'm drawing and it's really relaxing. It's making time go by fast and I'm just trying to stay busy. I remember being in the United States Marine Corps when I was in boot camp uh, for about 13 weeks. You're a weekend receiving, getting ready to be dropped into a platoon in uh, Camp Pendleton, San Diego, which is actually close to Camp Pendleton, San Diego. You go to MCRD, Marine Corps Recruit Depot um, in San Diego, which was is close to Camp Pendleton. We just we drive to Camp Pendleton for uh, the shooting ranger, and then back to MCRD, which is by the airport in San Diego. But I remember being in boot camp, and I you know the idea to stay busy came from that how we are always busy, and what it does is make time. It makes time go by faster when you're busy. If you're just sitting there worrying, dwelling, thinking, you know. You're gonna drive yourself insane. Time's gonna go by really slow. But you know, I think I was trying to make sense of it too the other day, and I want to say it has to do with emotions too. I would suspect that if you have positive emotions, time's gonna go by faster rather than if you had negative emotions, time's gonna go by slower. So that's my suspicion. But you know, I, I haven't tested that out. Um, because, you know, when you're happy, having a good time, you're like, wow, time just flew by. And then if you're mad, you're angry, you're just in a bad mood, time goes really slow, almost like it's prolonging, you know, your self-agony. And, you know, um, so, yeah, I was drawing and Thursday, February 27th, last day I wrote. Oh, and uh, all night, the big guy, we could hear him yelling on and off and three... A.M. Oh shit, oh shit. Uh, 
oh, the captain or the boss is there. Uh, they come in about 3 a.m. Oh, it was a loud night that night from Wednesday to Thursday. I heard some people yelling, Rushit, Rushit, Rushit. I don't know what it means in Arabic, but and then uh, 3.15, I asked to go to the WC, the Hamam. Hamam, you, you call it in the Arabic, and uh, the officer was really nice. Uh, he, he let me out and took me very, the young one. The young ones are very nice, uh, and it was it was really busy that day. Uh, he laughs with me, you know, I, you know, he speaks a little bit of English. He says, uh, you go to America today or tomorrow. And I said, I need to be here. I need to be here to keep the Frenchman coming. I really kind of didn't want to leave. I started to get a routine, but I wanted to leave. I needed to leave, but I, I was grateful to, uh, have the experience, even though it was a difficult and trying experience overall, I really, uh, appreciated the lessons, the, everything I learned, the people I met, I, I, I appreciate everything about that place. Even though it was hard, I thrive on difficulty and challenges. And that's, you know, that helps me grow as a person. You know, you grow outside your discomfort zone. And, you know, I've talked about this in many podcasts previously. And uh, this was a biggest test. I looked at this as a challenge, not as a punishment, not as, you know, a negative attribute. I took this as my eight-day jail Luxor challenge. And that changed my mindset just by changing the words and that's one way to change your emotions is you change the words you tell yourself and that changes how you feel and that's a hundred percent scientific a hundred percent truth right there and i go to the bathroom come back i think i'm uh, going a little more well actually at this point my stomach's emptying a little bit and i'm getting a, a, i'm pretty happy i'm just ma- trying to make sure i don't run out of uh of toilet paper so um I, I still uh that mysterious hose um and by the toilet it's kind of a, a mystery to me even to this day <laughs> i at least had to use it i know what it's for but i don't know uh i don't know exactly how, how to use it and i joke you know as i come back i uh i point towards the back and i go is that the regular you know jail and he goes yes yes it's it's not good you don't want to be there and i go oh so my cell's the hilton he's like yes yes you have, you're in the hilton i'm in the hilton in february 27th uh that was 3 15 a.m 9 30 i lay down try to sleep a little bit um i'm, I'm excited so it's you know, difficult to sleep, but I, I take a little nap and 9.30 a.m. comes around and it's tea time. Tea time and I put V time, not sure what V time is. I don't remember, but it's tea time. And Bari, our uh, little Egyptian friend, older friend, comes in and we get our tea, my anise tea. And sometimes Pierre gets coffee or sometimes we both get anise. And 10 a.m. rolls by and I take the little cloth that Pierre let me use and the soap and I go and wash my hair in the sink by the bathroom. It feels so nice and I stare into the sun to get my daily highlight, you know, of of glimmer of sunshine radiating in my eyes. You won't believe how amazing it feels just to see the sun for a brief period of time and almost makes you think that we were meant to be in the sun and we're meant to see the sun daily or at least um, often. And so it felt so good to wash my hair, to feel the the water in my hair and the soap, clean, uh, the soap wash my hair and feel it upon my face, and it just felt so good. And 
11, uh, 10 a.m., that was 10 a.m., 11.30 comes around, and, and then uh, Pierre's wife, Didi, comes, and um, <laughs> he gave, she gave him sardines this time, and he opened it and made a little mess, and it was a little, you know, had to wipe that up, the little smelly fish sardine smell. And uh, he used lemon to help get the smell off, and it was it worked really well. I was pretty impressed with how he how he cleaned that up. He had a little bag of food because she would come by and and give him stuff on a daily basis. She was allowed to see him for five minutes, which is more than the normal uh, inmates get. They get five minutes per week. He was getting five minutes per day, and she would come at eleven or twelve, you know, uh, in the morning, early afternoon. Uh, depending on when she could get in and see him. Sometimes they would hold her out for a few minutes. And uh, I remember uh, they wouldn't let her pass him his anxiety medication. So he got even more anxiety, getting nervous about not having that. And, you know, I, I told him it was it was like a Band-Aid approach, you know, just to, to try to solve the issue mentally, go internally. That is how we can win. We can't win physically, but we can win mentally spiritually emotional that's how we could win physically we're, we're trapped we're trapped here i mean we're basically uh, you know we can't go anywhere so why not win mentally why not win just that's how i looked upon it and like i i won that it was a success you know that was how i dealt with it how i got through it i uh, uh i don't know a lot of people would understand this unless they're in that a similar uh, scenario. Um, I can't imagine though my life being in jail for seven, eight days was incredibly easy compared to, you know, people in the past, let's say the concentration camp or being interned in a hard prison, hard labor for years. I mean, I can't imagine uh, that. What I got, mine was incredibly, incredibly easy compared to that. So that made me you know suck it up and be a man and and just overcome and you know change my perspective which changed my emotion which you know changed you know how i just made me get through it easier and so this was thursday uh she brought him the sardines and a couple other things too he loved little cucumbers and bananas and there's a little bit of fruit flies collected in there from that but and i didn't i didn't complain i didn't you know mention anything and one thirty comes around and oh we're getting lunch uh these bean wraps and a falafel f uh wrap i think the bean they call it the fowl the fowl wrap and those were those were relatively cheap i don't remember exactly but you know so uh, in the police station, in the jail, there's people that come by and sell, you know, little snacks and tea and water and whatever, whatnot, whatever you want. You could kind of get money talks, right? And so I bought a couple of those, and they were they were quite delicious. I ate, I ate the bean one, which was the fowl, and I saved the falafel one for later because I wasn't too hungry. I didn't want to eat too much. Uh, the way I ate. Uh, wasn't very healthy in there. I ate a lot of chocolate because I had my translator who was with me during the court case uh, help me and come see me and, and run errands for me. I mean, I had to give him money. He actually asked for t too much money. He's always asking for money. That was one annoying part about him. Not all of them are like that, but he was he was a little bit annoying of a nuisance that way. Um, but I was eating not so good. But what I did was I had a, a supplement called berberine, which helps block, uh, helps reduce insulin, um, blood sugar levels. And so that would help 
reduce the effect of sugar because I know sugar uh, I need to do a podcast on sugar one day um, sugar is not good unless you're exercising um, part of the mechanism is insulin is released and that's like the fat storage help you age faster um, uh, hormone uh, because too much sugar in the body, I want to say anything more than like a tablespoon is basically a poison that will damage the cells in the body. Don't quote me on that exact number, but it's a small amount. So when people are drinking this orange juice, they're drinking bread, all all carbohydrates except for fibers converted to sugar, glucose before it's absorbed. You're eating all this rice, you're drink, eating all these wheat noodles, all that stuff's converted to glucose and damaging the cells, damaging the body and accelerating aging. So this goes on through my mind. So I take this berberine supplement to help uh, to help uh, counteract that. It's like a natural metformin. Um, so it's, it's really good. And plus I do fasting. I do intermittent fasting in the jail. So I'll skip breakfast or skip lunch and I'll eat in a small window. So this helped me. I actually may have lost a pound or two. So I was really good about that. I went in probably 154, left probably 152.5 pounds wise. And I got to be under 150 for sports and elite level uh, athletics, uh, athletic performance. And so um, where was I? Okay, so I had the lunch, which was the bean wrap, aka fowl and the falafel I was saving for later. Um, and then 2.15 comes around, translator comes around, and uh, he, um, I asked him to, um, I asked him yesterday to look for a, like a souvenir magazine so I could draw different temples and you know Egyptian stuff and maybe an English book and you know some tissue paper some toilet paper and some chocolate and you know he and some water and he couldn't find the magazine I'm sure they were there he just didn't look hard enough I mean um an English uh book uh, he did bring some tissue paper a couple rolls of toilet paper and some chocolate and some water so that was that was nice and um uh, 3.45, tea time. I had the anise tea, second round of tea. Oh, it's called Yansun, Yansun tea. Yansun tea. Sounds sounds uh, almost Chinese in, in a sense, but that's the Arabic word for the anise tea, Yansun tea. And that was another wonderful time. And me and, me and uh, Pierre are getting a little... Uh, um, I like nostalgic you know i don't really want to leave but i have to, i want to leave but i don't want to leave him alone i you know i feel kind of bad you know leaving him and he's getting he's getting a little worse too he's getting a little worse each day with you know the shakiness and the nerves and the anxiety but i'm helping him and we're exercising each day um i you know i get him to say those daily mantras and affirmations and February 27th. This was the day I actually wrote his guide for him. I wrote a guide for him to help him get through um, get through the time left that he has. He, he has no idea how much time he has left. He's been in there over 50 days now and he could spend months and months and months there. Just don't know. I, I suspect it won't be more than six months. Um, I, I, I hope not maybe less maybe in a hundred days i don't know but it shouldn't be much much longer as his case is complicated and uh he told me all about it, but i don't want to talk about that uh, i don't want to mess with his thing oh my exercise i did my exercise a little bit later in the day because i woke up a bit tired i did my uh had my bathroom break 7 p.m then i did my exercises, my burpees i did three sets 12 10 and 8 i did three sets of pull-ups 
maybe two sets. I don't remember. Um, I wrote three, but I think it was two, two, two sets of pull-ups, uh, really slow time under tension pull-ups on the back of the cell door. Uh, I did wall sits to help with leg strength and then planks because it feels and it felt good once I started. It's hard mentally to start, but once you start, actually, you keep want to keep going. It felt good mentally to keep to exercises, get the blood flowing. Every time I stand up, I got wobbly legs. Like, you know, every time you get out of bed, first thing in the morning, you're like kind of kind of daisy, kind of wobbly. But you know, that's how I felt 22 hours a day. I'm laying down horizontal. Uh, so it's a weird feeling I'm not used to. I'm used to being active, walking around, exercising, you know, one to two times today i think when i looked at my last seven day uh, before i went to jail it was like 12 11 12 times a week i would exercise running and cycling and pm comes and yeah like i said i gave him uh i wrote down uh huge tools um tools to help him get through his his um remaining time there you know the saver silence and then i went more into detail with the silence uh you could have a meditation you could have gratitude you could think of your favorite time in your life and feel that emotion in your whole body and that'll change your state and you have gratitude remember a negative and positive emotion cannot exist together and one of the most powerful positive emotions is gratitude um uh, Tony Robbins says, when you turn expectation into appreciation, everything changes. So for Pierre, he expected to get out. And so when he appreciated these little things that, that changed the emotional state um, greatly and, you know, it helps transform fear, transforms pain into power, it transforms, it's, it's, it works. I, I tested this in jail um, under... I wasn't extreme circumstances, but it was pretty, it was pretty hard, uh, pretty challenging, pretty difficult. It was a, a great challenge. Uh, I would not like to repeat it, but um, you know, I don't regret it at all, and appreciate all the lessons and everything it's taught me. So um, that was the silence of the savers. It's actually in a book called The Miracle Morning, which they talk about uh, successful people, all the common uh, denominators and habits that they have. And A, affirmations. Affirmations, the words you tell yourself. I had the affirmation I wrote down for him. I will get through this. I must get through this. I can get through this. And I made him say this over and over again. This is another link that links and changes the subconscious. Um, visualization, visualizing f being free, visualizing the end, visualizing what you want, what is your goal. That So I had him visualize us. I told him, look, I'm coming to France when you get out of here and we're going to, you know, I want to see where you live up there by, I think it's by Montreal, Montreux, Montreal. He said it was by he's got a nice place up there and i said look i want i want to come see you i want to come visit you i want to i want to see that part of, of france and you know we visualized us you know hanging out together and you know you know visiting me visiting him over there in france i said look you could come visit me in southern california as well and anytime you want just come by uh, once you get out of here and so that was visualizations and uh, that helps change all these change the subconscious subconscious is key to changing your life changing your emotional state changing 
everything um that was visualization so exercise we got on a daily exercise routine i know just me being there exercising uh and him exercising it has this positive effect where you see that and you want to do it yourself and like you inspire each other it's like a, a circle of inspiration and that's exercise getting your blood moving he uh um yeah, and then uh, reading, reading positive things or reading what you can. Um, there wasn't a lot to read there, so we didn't ha really have so much. He read books. He had a bunch of books, uh, some thrillers and different books under his bed that he kept. And I couldn't read too much. I did re read that book, like I said earlier, The Wishing Tree by William Faulkner. And I wish, uh, <laughs> I, wish I wasn't in jail. That was my biggest wish now. Um, the Wishing Tree is kind of kind of a funny uh funny name for a book being in jail reading that book and uh scribing scribing journaling or writing that was a big one i thought that had would have the most powerful effect because uh we weren't doing it so much and so i told him that i was like look the there's usually one out of these habits that would have the most powerful effect and i think the scribing out of all these is the one uh that would have a large powerful effect so i you know made sure i was writing Writing and writing how I felt, writing the routine, writing you know whatever I can, writing positive affirmations, just writing writing anything, and that that seemed to help me as well. And then I also gave him uh, the Tony Robbins uh, list of three ways to change your emotional state. Uh, be, you do that by changing your focus, what you're focusing on. So if you're focusing on the jail focusing on the negativity you're focusing on um uh what you don't have rather than what you have you know i, I told him that night i was like look man please don't be upset i'm leaving appreciate and be happy we met and i was here you know because i felt bad i was leaving i i, I knew he was a little jealous but, but i mean it's normal because i'd, I'd feel a little jealous too if someone's leaving i'm stuck here in, in this in this cell when i want to be free and and so i tried not to celebrate or be happy too much in front of him because i didn't want him to feel bad and and so yeah so uh you change your focus what are you focusing on this this can mean anything so i was uh focused on leaving i was focused on um uh where i was going next i was focused on that and uh changing your um words you tell yourself which i already touched upon and you change the words um when i hear people say i hate something uh, it sounds like nails on a chalkboard to me and oh i really dislike it what you say is i prefer something else or i dislike this or um, you know, you change those words and you change uh, your reaction, your feelings. And this takes a little bit of work for some people, some um, examination of what you're actually saying to yourself mentally. You, you could, you know, do a journal and write down if you really want to change. Um, and the words have a huge impact on how we feel. The next one was changing our physiology. So uh, what happens when we're nervous, when we're scared, when we're upset, our breathing changes, where we look changes, everything changes, our posture changes. So you change your physiology, you get up, you jump up and down, raise your hands and you yell, hallelujah. I guarantee you, you're gonna feel a lot different than if you just sat down, did nothing, looked down, was you know frowning. Even smiling has been shown to reduce cortisol levels by, I wanna say 80% in studies. And um, yeah, and so change your physiology that, 
exercise is a huge one that changes it, gets the blood flowing. It's our normal state is movement. I want to say we have lymphatic ducts in our heels. Um, we were meant to walk. Some people say we we're born to run, but it's not so much the case. We're born to walk. We're bipeds, uh, uh, quadrupeds, uh, quadrupeds. Um, are born to run. I think I, said, I hope I said that right. Four-legged animals are born to run. Uh, bipeds, us, two legs, we're born to walk. That's the most efficient mode of uh, movement. Transportation for us is walking. And we could lo- walk long distances. I mean, we could walk hundreds of miles. I mean, think about how we migrated uh, the traditional uh, anthropo- anthropological theory as we migrated from Africa how the human species migrated from Africa. There's other theories of how we migrated from uh, Australia and other places. It might be that we migrated from multiple places. I, I don't know. Hi, Lucy. Lucy, my cat, is, you know, missed me, so she's all over me right now. Um, so, hey, you change your physiology in. I don't remember. Oh, I wrote him a letter. I wrote him a small message saying uh, I am extremely grateful to have met you and i appreciate our time together and i wish you the very best and i will see you soon in france that was wrote something in that regard and i drew you know i drew my meditation energy chakra uh on the spine you know drawing for him i don't remember what else i wrote i may have may have put some other stuff but i filled up that as much as I could and um, yeah it was just a strip from a a magazine or a paper and I wrote on that thin thin piece front and back so I wrote that for him as a goodbye and hoping you know it would help give him hope and help him get through his difficult time which was much more difficult than mine was mine was just difficult in the sense of the uncertainty and the fear and all that but once i started getting back into my daily habits which i talk about in my other podcast planet positivity i went over all that the the book that really changed my life was um uh, success through a positive mental attitude and how that changes everything that changes everything our life is like like a TV, you change that dial. You could be living. You could watch a fear movie. You could watch a drama movie. You could watch a happy movie. You could watch a love movie. Whatever you want. That emotion, you just change that dial by changing your emotions, by changing your your mindset. And a positive mindset will always lead to a positive life. A negative mindset will never have a positive lead to a positive life. And this is a fact. It's all life is an echo of us our life is an echo of us so just remember that in all aspects of one's life and i talk about in that planet positivity podcast talk about having courage um the part of the brain that develops courage i talk about finding a purpose i talk about all sorts of really cool stuff of the subconscious i'm not sure if i talk about subconscious but i talked about gratitude i talk about self-discipline which i'm i'm huge on self-discipline um and so, yeah, I gave that to him that evening after I wrote that out. And I, 
you know, we have a hard time sleeping that night because I'm leaving. I'm excited. He's nervous and a little bit excited because, you know, he's losing a friend uh, when you're in a place like that and having someone to talk to uh, makes a huge difference. It's these little things that end up making a huge difference. And I'm, I'm hoping he's okay. And I told him, I was like, look, we're, we're, we're at the Hilton. I mean, this is a nice place. I said, look, I could be here a year and I think I would be okay for a year. Um, and so I'm not sure did if I explained how uh, he, he, we did have a discussion, which is a deep discussion on suicide and how he, um, you know, th- contemplated that in the future. Uh, uh, if, if he was in there for a prolonged period of time and, you know, we just, it was kind of a crazy, not, I don't know, crazy, but a deep, deep conversation. And, you know, I told him about my experience with it. And he, you know, looked at me with his jaw, you know, jaw wide open as I showed him my wrist from, you know, previous uh, years ago um, experience and, and, you know, with, with that stuff. And, you know, uh, he, he, uh, really uh i think it hit him deeply when when i talked about that and how we had like a mutual uh understanding over that and i think i i talked him out of out of that i believe um or at least got his mind away from that more i was like look man it's it's not it's not the way to go if you if you are here one year you kill yourself but you would have lived 10 more years you lost nine years of your life so i was putting into a mathematical perspective and trying to help him make sense of it. So if he's here five years and he has 10 years of life, he's misses out on those five years. Like, like just that alone puts things into perspective. Like uh, suicide's a temporary solution, a permanent, pro- a permanent solution to a temporary problem. It's a permanent solution to a temporary problem. And a lot of times, you know, when you're suicidal, you're always thinking about me, 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 me. When you get Outside of the me, uh, the, outside of that selfish thinking, that is that helps bump people out of that suicidal ideation. That that I remember Tony Robbins was talking about that, and it makes a lot of sense uh, when you when you really think about it in depth. And so, <laughs> Lucy's uh, curled up on the desk right in front of me, uh, my cat Lucy, and yeah, so we talked about that a lot, and. Um, it wasn't really an option at that time. We, I mean, the cell we were in was incredibly easy, just boring and hard mentally, difficult mentally. But you know, for the most part, it was it was wasn't that hard. It was just dealing with our own minds that was the the hardest thing. And so we we both kind of you know lay down, try to get some shut eye, and you know I ask him a little bit more about his life because I want to you know talk about his life a little bit and make sure I got to know him, and. And okay, okay, Lucy, Lucy, my cat. She just, I just took her off the table, and she didn't like that. All right, and um, yeah, we we lay down, rest a little bit. I'm I'm excited. Couldn't really sleep too much. I may have may have took a nap. I don't know. And um, they they come and tell me that they're gonna take me at I don't know like one a.m. or something to the airport, even though my flight doesn't leave at like seven thirty because there's hours of paperwork they have to do. And, you know, I'm not surprised everything is done by hand in that jail and in that system that's really old and um, needs a, you know, revamping with, with computers and stuff to help help everything go faster. And um, I lay down and 
have all my stuff packed. I pack up all my stuff to get ready to go real fast. And and 1 a.m. comes around, or actually 12, 12 a.m. And I, you know, go to the bathroom, come back in, lay down for a little bit. 1 a.m. comes around, nothing, nothing. And I ask them what time, and they said 3 a.m. this time. All right, so that makes more sense. You know, it's four and a half hours till my flight leaves, so it's plenty of time. So 3 a.m. comes around, and I, they knock at the door and say to come out. Um, uh, Pierre gets up. I look at Pierre. I grab him by the hand. I give him a hug. I look him in the eyes and I say, Pierre, you have to get through this. You will get through this. You must get through this. You can get through this. I stare him in the eyes. I say this and I say goodbye to Pierre and you know, I will see you soon, my friend. I'll see you soon. And I say our goodbyes, and um, I go to the corner of the the jail station in in the same vicinity as the cell, and I'm given my phone back, and I'm able to send messages while they do some more paperwork, and uh, there's a few prison guards or policemen there, a few officers. And, um, oh, I forgot to mention, uh, like an hour before they let me out, I got to take a shower in the side adjacent room, like a really, a real shower, um, which was really nice and felt amazing, even though it was just a little bit of water. And, you know, as I as I walked in, you could see all the cameras, you know, and all the cells and everywhere. And that was like the big chief's office that you know stayed in that nice place and um so i'm back on the phone getting ready they're filling out the last minute of paperwork calling the 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 police at the airport because they have to transfer me as like a as a prisoner they have to do a prison transfer and do paperwork and that because it's like a separate separate kind of entity i don't know in the u.s it's like a federal thing um, there's like a federal, I don't know how that works in Egypt, but there's a different um, uh, group of people or a different organization that they have to transfer me to. And so they're doing that paperwork and I'm saying goodbyes, kind of happy, smiling, but I'm still like a little like, all right, I'm not going to count my chickens before they're hatched in a sense and, and uh, you know, uh, celebrate just yet until I'm on the flight out of Egypt. You know, that's the main thing. I need to get out of the country before I'm 100% sure. Everyone, everyone you ask about anything is like, oh, no problem, no problem. Yes, we can do this. No problem. You'll be out tomorrow. Yes, no problem. So I'm, I got that the whole time I'm there. All oh, this is no problem. So <laughs> I, I just, you know, I'll celebrate once I get out. And then uh, the, all the paperwork's done and I get ready to go, grab my bags. After I, you know, message people and like, oh man, I'm finally getting out. This is kind of amazing. I haven't had my phone for a few days. There was like a little bit of uh, withdrawal too. Once you not ha- don't have access to your phone and all like my Instagram, Facebook stuff, there's there's a withdrawal from that. I think part of that was the difficulty uh, of my situation as well was because I have um, these podcasts, I have the Instagram stuff, I have, you know, I work a little bit, I work on, from the phone, from a uh, computer, you know, fairly often I have stuff I have to do for, for you know, my, my business I, I, uh, I run and I help run. And so, 
yeah, that was difficult, another challenge to uh, overcome. But, um, you know, I started catching up on things. The service was really slow, but, you know, just to be able to send a message to loved ones, families, you know, that uh, friends, that everything is okay, I'm fine, you know, um, I'm finally leaving. And then I get to the police van. I have like a few people. I didn't, I'm not handcuffed, you know, everyone's really nice. And I go from the police station, which is in the middle of like the Luxor city to the airport, which is a, I don't know, 10K, like six, six or nine mile drive. I mean, it's not that far. It's it's relatively close, 10 minute drive to the airport. And they transfer me, you know, um, to the police uh, there, to the, the airport police. And it was fairly easy. Uh, just did whatever they said. And what I have to do, I signed a couple things and um, nothing really, they just walked me back and forth. Um, they they actually uh, one of the guys there did all the immigration stuff for me. Um, he took my form while I sat in the bench, and um, I uh, one guy you know came up was like, "Do you want tea?" And I was like, "Yeah, yeah, sure, I'll have some green tea." And he comes back and it's like forty. I was like, 40 I'm not paying. I don't want the tea. It's like forty Egyptian pounds, like three dollars for a little mini cup of tea. Get out of here!" And I was like, "Man, I no thanks." This was this was one of the employees that worked. I was like, "Man, I, I was kind of annoyed." Like, I don't want to spend any money. I mean, when you're in Egypt, when, before I got went in jail, everyone's trying to get your money. They just they they what the Frenchman would tell me is they eat you. They eat you, you know, like they squeeze you dry and try to get as much money as they can from you. So I was like sick of that, and so one of the officers got it for me and and gave it to me. It's really nice and friendly. Uh, uh, like I said, the whole time, for the most part, some of the the guys that weren't nice just left me alone so i was either left alone or treated really really nice like a vip uh, at the hilton aka the luxor jail and uh, i should call this podcast life at the hilton in the luxor jail something like that right and so i'm sitting on the bench and they hand me my immigration form and my passport back and this is the first time i have my passport in um eight days that felt good to have that. It felt like this whole situation may be a reality. I might just leave this country in peace. And uh, it was funny when I was there, everyone doesn't speak a lot of English when I was in jail. And they're like, welcome to Egypt. Welcome to Egypt. And I was like, ah, oh, it's great to be here. I can. Just lovely to be in jail. You know, like, uh, <laughs> I'm happy to be here. And this was when I was in jail. They're, they're telling me, welcome to Egypt. Welcome to, and they're like, you know, next time you come back, come back again and visit. I was like, yeah, sure. I'll be back as soon as I can. <laughs> it's like, hell, hell no. I'm, you think I'm coming back to this place, man? You even lost your minds. Uh, so I got all... Uh, all my uh, my tickets. They got my uh, that I checked in. Got my ticket. They got all my immigration stuff. I got my passport back. And you know I have a guy with me. You know taking me everywhere, doing everything for me, kind of like escorting me, but in in a nice way. I mean not not in an armed, suspicious, angry type of way. And yeah, I go through security, <clears throat> drink my water to go through security, and I uh, wait by the. Another security, there's a lot of securities, tons of security in the Middle Eastern countries everywhere. Like like in the US, maybe we have one or two. In the, in the Middle East, it's like three or four. It's just like double. But I mean, you can't blame them with all the turmoil, unrest, and, and everything. And uh, I uh, 
do the the first podcast of the first part of being in jail right there at the airport that way i try to remember everything although the first two parts i'm not gonna lie my brain's a little fuzzy and tired i'm feeling better now more energy and like i could remember things more and more of the details so that it's good now uh better now but that was when i recorded the first one was in that luxor airport getting ready to go uh fly out to Kuwait. <laughs> Kuwait. I have known nothing about Kuwait. I don't know the currency. I don't know the visa requirements. All I know is I could get a visa upon arrival. I don't know anything about Kuwait. Uh, I think years ago, wasn't Kuwait part of Iraq or Iraq invaded Kuwait? Something like that. I, I don't remember, but eh, I thought this was interesting. It's going to be country number 56. Hell, why not? Let's do it. Let's uh, make uh, lemonade out of, out of lemons, right? Make the best out of our situation under any circumstance. That is your goal. That is my goal. And that is what makes life much easier. Life's hard enough, um, but you can make it easier. Life's difficult enough, but you can make it much, much easier by changing the mindset to having a positive mindset. And that is a fact. I proved it. I demonstrated it. I did it at the jail. And I will continue to do this and have this mindset for the rest of my life because it is an asset, uh, an ally. It is a great companion during any difficult, trying, or challenging time. And uh, the last call uh, for boarding, I get ready to go. I'm still in a little bit of state of disbelief. I see the sunrise. Uh, tears fills my eyes as I actually see a sunrise and they call the last call for boarding and I walk out to the gate, give my ticket, they scan it, I look behind, say goodbye to Luxor and walk off onto the plane, into the sunrise, onto the next adventure, on the journey home. And with that, I'm going to end this podcast and, you know, I'll just have an addendum in the next one. It actually gets a little bit interesting as well, what Kuwait was like, you know, how I got home. I had to go through Kuwait, Abu Dhabi, Dubai, Los Angeles. And it was, uh, I missed a flight in Abu Dhabi. I had to take a bus to Dubai. It's, it's you know, Kuwait was a trip um, because um, I felt like I was in the apocalypse at the airport. You know, everyone's wearing these masks. Um, and I check online, like, holy crap, this coronavirus is actually spreading and got a lot worse. I've been out of the loop for like a week, so I had no idea. But that'll be the next episode. I'll just talk about that just because I, I find it interesting and maybe you will too. And all right, let's thank you for listening. And that sums up the Luxor jail experience. Um, and if you like what you hear, please check out my travel store, Super Travel X. Uh, it's www.supertravelx.com. Use code SUPER10 for 10% off. Really cool travel accessories and gears and all sorts of cool stuff. That's um, my sponsor. I sponsored myself with the cool store, and I love all that travel stuff. It's uh, really comes in handy. That's the little stuff that makes a big difference. And in your life, you know, uh, cherish those little moments. Uh, and they they make the world you know much easier and uh, a better place if uh, if you uh, cherish those little little moments and um, actually uh, the small things. Uh, there there was a podcast I can't remember right now. I'm getting tired. Okay, I'll finish it later. Um, celebrate small wins for big goals. That that was one of the things and cherish small moments for for big levels of happiness. I guess I could make that turn that into and thanks for listening let's get some outro music what do we got here um 
Not not the call to prayer. I heard that enough times, the call to prayer. Let's get some, what do we got going on? Some Arabic music. Don't get me wrong, Luxor is still an amazing, beautiful place. And the Egyptian people are beyond amazing. Stay tuned for the next episode when I recount my harrowing journey, how I get back home. Not quite as harrowing as uh, what I went through, but you know, I'll also talk about uh, a little bit what I learned, um, my feelings afterwards, and that sort of stuff. All right, take care, guys. Have a wonderful day. Thank you for listening.